Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, and that's right, we are Wagering Week. You can get in touch with us, Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. If you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, it's hashtag SGN855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N, iHeart, iTunes, any of our syndicated affiliates. That's where you can hear us. And ladies and gentlemen, week one of the NFL is here. And really, look, for all intents and purposes, week one of all football is here because we have college football as well. So, sure, the NHL and the NBA, they're reaching their championship slowly but surely. They're creeping up and getting into, well, who's going to play to get into the finals? Yeah, that's hot and heavy. And if I had a five-hour show, we'd spend a good hour on it, okay? Major League Baseball. There's uh, less than 20 games to go. It's kind of coming into crunch time. The Yankees are in trouble. Uh Uh-oh, all of a sudden, Baltimore and the Marlins are fighting for playoff spots. Yeah, that would be great to talk about. But no, we're not. Because this weekend is owned by football. So... We are going to go over all of the games. We're going to run through the NFL, throw in some college football in the middle of here to break it up, keep going through the games. We're going to be your stats and trends and numbers, everything that you need to make informed decisions this weekend. Let's get right into it because we do not have a lot of time today. We don't have enough time to spend because I can spend seven days on all of this stuff. So first and foremost, we are going to look at the NFL. We're going to start, just go right through the rotation number. You guys that don't know what rotation number is, when you go to any of the sites that will give you any of the odds, you'll see a number to the left of their name. For example, this week, Miami, New England's first game on the docket, 453-454. So we're going to start there and work our way down. Basically, if you're on the East Coast, we're starting with the 1 o'clock games and working our way down through the 4 o'clock games. Let's start it off right away. Miami, New England, I mentioned it. Line is sitting at 6.5. We know the new parts for New England. Cam Newton comes in. Bill Belichick is still there, but Bill Belichick loses six starters on defense and eight total defensive players from that unit. That is a massive, massive loss. You turn around and you look at the running back situation. Look, Sony Michelle was behind Damian Harris in the pecking order because Harris had such a good camp, but Michelle didn't look so good and he was hobbled on one foot. Well, Damian Harris is now on the IR. So you're looking at Sony Michelle, who says he's okay, but a week ago he wasn't. The New England Patriots are banged up defensively and missing all kinds of people. They're banged up at the running back spot. They have a quarterback that's coming back, but that quarterback has such a chip on his shoulder, it's hard to bet against him. On the other side, Miami, they have a bad defense, but oh boy, can that offense sling it. Last time Ryan Fitzpatrick saw these New England Patriots, he threw for 320. So he knows how to throw against this team at the very least. He only had one touchdown in that game, but that's not because he didn't have a good game. Preston Williams is back and he's healthy. That gives that added element to this Miami team that has a true number one in Devontae Parker. Mike Gazeki is an up-and-coming tight end. And their running back duo, Braida and Howard, is vastly underrated. Their problem is there's no defense there. There just is no defense in Miami. They came in ranked literally the worst defense in the NFL last year. And they brought in some new pieces, okay? But let's be honest. They bring in some new pieces Some of them are already banged up. Kyle Van Noy, well, he looks good, but you know what? He's not 100% right now. And it takes a little, it takes a minute or so to make sure you get your ground under you. Xavier 
Howard, their best defensive player, he's banged up for this game as well. I kind of like the over here when you're talking about 42 is the number. I kind of like the over because of how bad Miami's defense is. And I think that New England's defense takes a big step back. I don't really love the game. If I had to take a side, I guess I'm leaning Miami just because there are points there. But understand, New England absolutely owns this series in Foxborough. Don't be one of those people that says, well, Miami plays close. Yeah, Miami plays close to Miami, not in Foxborough. How about Cleveland, Baltimore? You were talking about owning a series. Baltimore's won 20 the last 24 head-to-head here. The line has dropped from 9 all the way down to 7.5, and and it may still continue to keep dropping over the course of the weekend. Cleveland is one of those teams. You look at the Cleveland Browns, and people just start to drool at the talent that they have. They really do have talent, guys. Look, you add Hooper, Landry, and Beckham. They're all talented. You can maybe not like them, but they're talented. I don't like Kareem Hunt as a person, but he's got talent. Nick Chubb has overwhelming talent. Baker Mayfield has talent. They brought in some offensive line talent. On the defensive side, Garrett has talent. I mean, they have talent all over the field. What they needed was some coaching. Well, they got a new coach. Kevin Stefanski is going to run it down their throat, the old Minnesota offensive coordinator. And we're going to see how that turns out. You speak of talent, there is no more talented team in the NFL than the Baltimore Ravens. From Lamar Jackson to Ingram to Dobbins uh, to Brown to Andrews, their offense is a lot better than people give them credit for. And this year, the defense, who was very good last year, might get that extra increase. Yeah, everyone's looking at Earl Thomas being gone. Well, what about Calais Campbell coming in? It's hard to get bet against Baltimore. I know that the money is coming in on Baltimore. And the points at nine seemed a little tempting for Cleveland. Well, everyone's jumping on Cleveland. Big money's coming in on Cleveland. It's lowered it down to seven and a half. I'm staying away from this one. How about Buffalo and the Jets? Well, Buffalo and the Jets, you look at Buffalo, six and a half point favorites. The line for the game is six and a half. I'm okay with that. Uh, the line for the total is 39 and a half. The lowest total on the board today. That's because the Jets have no wide receivers. I mean, they really don't. I don't know who they're going to be throwing out there, and even if they do throw them out there, like Mims and Perryman, they haven't been on the field at all. Buffalo comes in with a lot of expectations. They made the playoffs last year, another first-round exit. Josh Allen is getting some love for MVP. Their defense is absolutely stacked. Okay, Buffalo has everything that you want here in this spot, except, and by the way, Buffalo has owned the series in the last couple of years, but New England... Uh, has owned Buffalo in this division. Well, Buffalo sort of owns the Jets recently in this division. But when we talk about against the spread, just like Buffalo does to New England, and they tend to keep things close. And I just mentioned Miami and Miami and New England. They tend to keep it close. Well, in this division, the Jets tend to keep it close. Something to keep in mind. How about Vegas, Carolina? Well, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, that's going to take a minute to get used to. But the Las Vegas Raiders, minus three on the road against Carolina. The total here is 47.5. You look at Carolina and you go, all right, they're going to bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is 17-3 and against the spread all time as an underdog. The guy is awesome. And overall, covering percentage, closing in on 80%. The guy just does not lose as an underdog. And especially now at home, you get Vegas traveling across the country, coming to Carolina. And what happens? You turn around and you give him three points. Well, all of a sudden, Teddy Bridgewater is an underdog. But it's not just Bridgewater. You got a brand-new rookie head coach. I hate touching a rookie head coach, especially in week one, especially after this COVID situation. But this is a spot where you, you are really getting a Carolina team that people expect to just be terrible this year. And their offense has some skilled players. Their offense has a little juice. It's a defense that will be bad. Vegas, on the other hand, Vegas has a lot of rookies. A lot of guys they have to incorporate into this offense to try to get that up and rolling. Their defense is also nothing home to write home about. They're okay. Max Crosby's good. Um, but 
again, you look at this. What about the total? I just said two bad defenses. 47.5 because neither offense is explosive either. Seattle, Arizona. Everyone's on Seattle. It looks like this line has risen from almost a pick all the way up to 2.5. And, and I even saw a 3 earlier this week against Atlanta in Atlanta. Want to talk about long road trips? Well, Seattle to Atlanta, yeah, that's one long road trip. And you get Matt Ryan at home plus points. But Russell Wilson, just in his career, Russell Wilson is just money. Look, Russell Wilson had the MVP in his hand last year up until about week eight or nine. He looked really good. Russell Wilson is a perennial top five MVP candidate. This year, he gets an added bonus of Metcalf the entire year. He gets the new shiny tight end that happens to be an old shiny tight end, Greg Olson, right? He's got Chris Carson back healthy. Seattle's defense, weirdly, is a little bit of a concern. Not as much of a concern as Atlanta, who ranks 30th in the league for defensive backs, according to Pro Football Focus before the year. Atlanta does have some weapons, so look, Todd Gurley, I don't know if his knees are going to hold up, but for game one, they do have Todd Gurley and the catching out of the backfield. Remember what Devontae Freeman and Devin Coleman, uh, Tevin Coleman did when they had a pass catching back coming out of the backfield. Also, I do expect Ridley to step up this year as a true compliment to Julio Jones. And again, it's in Atlanta at, at home, and Matt Ryan at home has been money. This is a tough one. Philadelphia, Washington. I loved Philly all summer long, and then Philly did what Philly seemingly has been doing over the last couple of years, and that is just get injured. Last year, they had no wide receivers. They were playing guys like Greg Ward. Well, Greg Ward's in the starting lineup this week because Philly is injured again. So they go out, they draft the number one draft pick. He's going to miss week one. They go out, they're missing some wide receivers. They're missing some offensive linemen banged up in camp, but their defense, while they may not be 100% healthy, they are bringing on a shutdown corner in Darius Slay, and they still have Carson Wentz on the offensive side. Miles Sanders, for you fantasy guys, they're saying that he's going to be limited. I can't imagine he's going to be very limited. It looks like he's getting better as the days go on. Even still, Boston Scott should be a nice play here. I like Ertz. I like Goddard. I think you could win with Ertz, Goddard, and Boston Scott being your passer receivers and maybe Deshaun Jackson just running fly routes. I think Philadelphia wins, but these also tough division battle on the road, giving uh, now it's down to five and a half. It was up to about six, five and a half. It, it it gets a little weary there. Washington on the other side, look, brand new head coach. We know that. A quarterback that the team doesn't believe in. A running back rotation that is a rotation of guys that you can't even believe that they're going to be starting or that they're going to have an opportunity to. Outside of McLaren, who is they going to throw the ball to? Defensively wise, this, this team is good. Collins and Young and Kerrigan. Defensively, Washington might surprise this year. How about Bears and and Detroit, well, Detroit gets Matthew Stafford back, and he is healthy. He looked real good, real good. They very easily could have been 7-1. and one. All the losses that they had last year before Stafford went down were all by one score or less. To go into Hot Galladay, you know Kerryon Johnson's healthy. Detroit has a pretty good offense. Detroit's defense, well, that's a whole other story. Detroit lost players off of a bad defense. Their defense is terrible. Well, here comes Chicago. Now, Detroit's a three-point favorite, and this went from a pick to a three-point favorite once they announced Trubinsky was going to be the starting quarterback. Well, you announced Trubinsky, but people forget Trubinsky absolutely has a field day against the Lions. Nine touchdowns, one interception in his career against the Lions, and he beat them last year. Chicago has owned the recent series. It is on the road. Everybody's wondering what you make of this Chicago team. Look, Robinson is good. They brought in some pass catchers at the tight end position. Way too many, but they brought in some. I still think Khalil Mack has a big year this year. I think Hicks going down really hurt him. Jackson and Fuller can shut it down back there. I think Roquan Smith is an underrated talent. So 
I think Chicago has an opportunity to steal one, even with Trubinsky, because all of the noise is to Trubinsky, but it's hard to bet against a very good quarterback in Matthew Stafford in Detroit. How about Indy Jacksonville? Nobody wants to pick Jacksonville, right? Nobody wants to go anywhere near the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars are just terrible. Oh, they're awful. They got rid of their best defensive player. They let go of their best overall player in Leonard Fournette. And the line opened at 7, and it went to 8. So it's not a massive jump up. Indy on the road in Jacksonville. Indy's dealing with some new things as well. Indy's dealing with Phillip Rivers, who is dunked down. Philip Rivers. I expect Naeem Hines to have a good role here. For those that were hoping that Jonathan Taylor was just going to carry the load, he has been brought in to be a complimentary back to Mac, and Mac's going to get the start here. Doesn't matter because they have the best offensive line in the game. Whoever's running the ball is going to have a really good day, especially against a weak Jacksonville defense. Here's the thing, though. As good as Indy's defense is, and they have been, and they, they show sparks of being very good. As good as they are, Gardner Minshew impressed me last year. Gardner Minshew made me sit back and say, you know, this kid's got something. And he's going to be in a game that likely he'll be coming from behind. He has some weapons. Sure, they don't have running backs, and they don't. Robinson's going to start uh, after Fournette was gone, and we know that they don't have weapons. But passing-wise? Yeah, DJ Chark is a weapon, man. And Minshew has also Westbrook at his disposal. You also have Chenault at his disposal. He's got some weapons. He's going to be forced to go to the air. And I think they want him to be forced to go to the air. I'm not telling you that this is my upset special of the week or I think Jacksonville's going to win the game. But I do think that it is funny that Jacksonville is just getting absolutely blasted. When you're talking about the money coming in, there's over 70% of the money coming in on Indianapolis at more than a touchdown favorite. As 70% of the money has come in, it's only gone from 7.5 earlier this week to 8. And now it's been pretty consistent for 8 for a little while. Now, on Sunday morning, can it jump up and everybody go, oh, wait a minute, it's Jacksonville, we're going to bet against them? Sure, that can absolutely happen. But this is a home game for Jacksonville. I think Minshew is still a dangerous guy. And all of a sudden, you start to go, why isn't this line skyrocket? Look, if this gets to 10, I might be all over Jacksonville. I don't think it gets there, though, because I haven't seen that line movement uh, throughout this, this is an interesting game for me. How about Green, Minnesota, Green Bay, Minnesota? How about you want to talk about it? interesting? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This one's interesting. The line opened at three. It's down to two and a half. Green Bay always gets a lot of public money, so make sure that you understand that. Green Bay is not quite the Dallas Cowboys, but they always get a ton of public money. You are in two camps with Aaron Rodgers. You either believe that Aaron Rodgers is so TO'd, okay, and just annoyed that they went out and drafted Jordan Love, that he's going to come on with a chip on his shoulder, try to prove to the world that I am still Aaron Rodgers and watch what I could do, and absolutely go crazy this year. You have that camp? Sure. I'm in the other camp of... I don't care how big of a chip is on his shoulder. The guy lost a step or two or three. He didn't look the same. And, oh, by the way, even if he did look the same, he just doesn't have the complementary pieces. I think Aaron Jones had a much better year than he probably should have last year. Devontae Adams, I'm questioning nothing about Devontae Adams. He's a surefire number one, probably in the top two or three, I'll say five, wide receivers in the game right now. But outside of that, their offensive line is weak. Their secondary receivers, Scanling and all, they're weak, okay? Their running game might get a boost with A.J. Dillon, 
they seem hesitant to put him in there. So I'm looking at Green Bay, and I'm going, I didn't believe that Rodgers and LaFleur were getting along too well last year. They miraculously smoked and mirrors, came to that record, and I bet against them in the playoffs and made out like a bandit. This year they come crashing back down to earth. But against Minnesota in this spot, week one, you know, it's hard to trust. Look, Minnesota lost their offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski. Don't just think that that's uh, just going to be blown aside, okay? That is a problem. So they lost their offensive coordinator. They also lost their number two receiver. If you want to call Stefan Diggs a two, some people will call him a one. I'm going to say that he's a two. So they lost their number two receiver. They lost their offensive coordinator, who got an NFL job right away, so you know he was very good. And they lost Danell Hunter. Now, I know people out there don't know the name Danell Hunter, but he's Danielle Hunter is as good as Aaron Donald in a lot of aspects of his game. Overall, Donald's better, but it's not that big of a jump off. He's the second best defensive tackle in the league. He will not play here. I think that's a massive, massive hole for Minnesota. This is a game where early on I said, look, I think maybe Green Bay might be worth a shot. Then I flip-flopped and I said, ah, maybe I'm going to go with Minnesota. I'm pulling completely off this game. I am going to be in a wait-and-see mode. How does Minnesota react without that receiver? How will they react without Kevin Stefanski on the sidelines? And that game script of run, 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 limit the problems that Kirk Cousins will have, limit the long passing game and just dink and dunk. Are they going to be able to adjust? And in the same vein, what about Green Bay? You can't imagine that Green Bay, there's happy people in that clubhouse, right? Green Bay went to the playoffs last year. Uh, They blew every expectation out. They looked good. They won the division. And then they drafted a backup quarterback to their legendary quarterback. They drafted a backup running back to a guy who had the best running back year of his career. You can't be that happy if you're in that Green Bay locker room because it looks like Matt LaFleur and company are looking for two years from now instead of right now. That is a problem. All right, guys, that is the 1 o'clock slate of games. We're going to take a quick timeout. Come on back. We're going to talk a little college football, but we will do the late games as well. Make sure you keep it right here. We'll be back right after this. This is Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you 3 to 1 odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, yeah, it's NFL week one. Everyone's excited, but we got some college football as well. I want to give you some odds and some line moves on the college football slate on Saturday. Uh, North Carolina, a lot of people have good high hopes on North Carolina. North Carolina coming in as a top 25 team. They opened up at 19 and a half. It's up to 23 against Syracuse here. The total is sitting here at 65. North Carolina is supposed to have a very good offense this year and a quarterback that people are going to start having to pay attention to. How about Appalachian State against UNC Charlotte? App State had to cancel one of their games. They've had a lot of problems. They weren't sure they're going to play. Then they came back. People got, uh, you know, very angry about what App State was doing. A lot of off-the-field controversy, but App State opened up as 20.5-point favorites. It's down to 17. They are going to play against UNC Charlotte. Total is 60 there. How about Florida State, Georgia Tech? Florida State is now 12-point favorites against Georgia Tech. 12-point favorites down in Florida. Total is sitting here at 52. Now, Georgia Tech plays that interesting run-style offense. We know about that. Florida State, they're going to have the talent. You know that. They've had a couple of bad years in a row. I see a lot of people jumping on Florida State as the line continues to go all the way up, and I'm actually surprised because early money was coming in on Georgia Tech. 
How about Kansas, Coastal Carolina? Kansas was three-and-a-half-point favorites. It went all the way up to seven, and that's where it's sitting now against Coastal Carolina. Kansas welcoming in a brand-new head coach. Kansas is in a position where they are dealing with a quarterback controversy. They are really, really trying to get a new culture there. Coastal Carolina is a sneaky, sneaky team. They've gotten some continuity. They played all their practices. They are ready to go. That's going to be an interesting game. Total there is 56. Louisville, Western Kentucky, the line is sitting at 11.5. It opened at 11.5. Didn't change. Sitting at 11.5 against Western Kentucky. Total is 58 there. Clemson is 33-point favorites. And the line is 60 in Wake Forest against Wake Forest. Now, before you go crazy and say 33 points, that's absolutely nuts. Well, Clemson, they are 9-0. and Their last nine games favored by more than four touchdowns. This is a spot that Clemson is used to. Now, Clemson, short practice schedule. We know just like everybody else. But they have a lot of continuity there. Travis Etienne, maybe the best running back in the country. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I'm going to say easily the best player in the country and the best quarterback that will be on the field now, especially with Justin Fields out. Dabo Sweeney, is he the best coach in the country? Yeah, I think so. But it is on the road. It is a conference game. And it's against a Wake Forest team that isn't just absolutely terrible. Notre Dame, Duke. Duke is in the ACC. They are going to be 20-point favorites at home against this Duke team. Notre Dame is a decent team this year. They should maybe crack the top 15, maybe even the top 10, but 20 in opening day against a tough Duke team. I see a lot of money coming out on Duke, and I kind of understand it. I'm not going with it, but I kind of understand it. Army got absolutely humiliated on opening night in a game where I liked Army. They got humiliated. Well, we'll see if they have any respect back, and I think that they absolutely will. Army 21-point favorites against Louisiana Monroe, and by the way, uh, Army football team, you can have a bad day. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to be just fine. And I think that they will be. I still think that they're going to win their games this year. I still think they're going to run wild. And this is a statement game for them. I think they bounce back and they bounce back huge. Iowa State, Louisiana Lafayette, Lions 11.5 in favor of Iowa State. Iowa State, who is playing football this year, but Iowa Hawkeyes are not because it's not good in their own state. Yeah, make this up. All right, Texas, UTEP. Texas is 43-point favorites against UTEP. Uh, Texas State, 8.5-point favorites over Texas San Antonio. Kansas State, 10-point favorites over Arkansas State. And Tulane are 9-point favorites, 9.5 uh, in some spots over South Alabama. That is what are the odds. You know, I'm looking at this, this slate of games, and, and I'll— Look, I liked Army last week. It was crazy how, how they got smashed, absolutely smashed. I'm looking at this slate of games. I'm telling you, nothing really jumps off the page at me. And I think that we are in a position now where you have to really take a step back. You have to take a step back and you have to say, if I don't see something, even though it's week one, I don't have to take something. You know, I'm looking at some of the games that maybe I would take a shot at. Army makes sense, and they opened at 16-point favorites, jumped up to 21. I think it was a blip on the radar screen for Army. Okay? I think that Army is better than what I saw. I think that Army can bounce back here. But thinking 21 points is quite a bit. I could absolutely have judged this team wrong. So could have everybody else. And they could flop again. I don't love giving the 21 here. I think Army wins, and I do think they bounce back big. And, and I could see them winning this game by 20 points. Sure. I think 21 might be a little too big here. Maybe. Same thing with Notre Dame against Duke. I think Notre Dame's primed for a pretty good year. 
but Duke is just that pesky team. It's on the road, but how filled will a stadium be in Notre Dame, right? So that takes away some of the aura of what Notre Dame is. I'm looking at that line potentially a little too big, but I don't have the guts to take Duke either. It's the same thing with Syracuse. I think North Carolina is getting all sorts of hype. I think they will have a good year. 23 Syracuse is pretty familiar with this team, and North Carolina is dealing with a lot of hype. Sometimes that hurts. So you look at all these games, and I'm trying to find one. I mentioned the Clemson game, guys. Clemson dominates as big-time favorites. Dominates, but it's it's a lot. 33 is a lot. 33 is a lot in a bubble, right? No matter where you are, 33 is a lot. And then you take 33 in a conference game, it becomes even more. And then you take 33 in a conference game on the road, and it just becomes massive. There's a chance that Clemson could go out here and shut down Wake Forest and completely shut him out. And I kind of think that's what's going to be needed here. I don't think Clemson scores 60, 70 points on opening night. You know, they against a conference team on the road. This looks like, to me, something like a, yeah, you know, 45 or a 50 point to 14, 17 type of win. It'll be close, but I'm not going near it. The game that I, I'm kind of looking at would be that Florida State-Georgia Tech game. I wanted, when this line opened up at 11 and people were betting on Georgia Tech, I was hoping and praying it would fall to 10. And I would take Florida State minus the 10. But it went the other way. And it went up to the 12 and a half. And now it's sitting here at 12 and a half and more money is coming in on Florida State than I would have liked. So in the totality, I don't love anything on Saturday. And if you don't love anything, it's no problem to pull off. Things might change in the next couple of days. You might hear about something, maybe find an angle, maybe find a system, maybe something changes on tape, and maybe the line moves. You know, if that Florida State line comes back down, if it comes back down to 11, I might buy it to 10 and be happy with that. That's how you have to read these lines. So that is a little college football talk. I wanted to get into that. I still have no update, by the way, on what's going on in the Big Ten. Absolutely no update. They were supposed to meet. They were supposed to see if they were going to try to push the schedule up. I have no updates, guys, for you. I wish I did. I will keep you updated as soon as we hear anything. Let's move back into the NFL. We're going to go to the 4 o'clock games. Three on tap. Cincy Chargers, Arizona, San Francisco, and the big one, New Orleans against Tampa. Let's talk Cincy Chargers. This is a lot more intriguing than we thought, although it would have been kind of cool to see Justin Herbert against Joe Burrow, right? I, I, I'm kind of... Kind of would have been into that. But we get Tyrod Taylor, who I think for the Chargers is a better decision for this game. I do like the Chargers. I like Eckler. I like Taylor. I think they have Keenan Allen. Um, definitely gives them plenty of weapons. But it's just not overwhelming weapons. And their offensive line is still not tremendous. I, I'm looking at their defense. And I looked at their defense as a top five, top maybe six defense in the league. But Derwin James went down. And... I know people don't think of safeties and the impact that they have. Derwin James very well could have been the best player on a team that has Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen. You could make the argument that Derwin James is their best player. I think this is massive, massive injury problem. Now, you still have Bosa. Look, they're going to give Joe Burrow fits because Bosa and Ingram coming from the corners to make sure that they rush Burrow. Yeah, I think they're going to give Joe Burrow fits. But losing a safety like Derwin James and a talent like Derwin James and a field commander like Derwin James this late is even more devastating because they don't have time to adjust. They don't have time to make secondary options. 
I think Joe Burrow is going to have a good opening day. And I know it's against a good Chargers defense. I think he's going to have a good opening day. I don't love him plus the three because I still have my doubts about Cincinnati's defense. Cincinnati's offense is going to do real well. Joe Mixon's good. You have, you know who you got. You got Burrow and Green and Boyd. Uh, The weapons that are at Joe Burrow's disposal are great. The problem is this. The Cincinnati defense is bad. The Cincinnati offensive line is bad. So I'm real interested to see can Joe Burrow overcome bad offensive line play and move them down the field. I think he has some success, but that defense will keep me away from taking them plus the three. How about Arizona, San Francisco? San Fran is a touchdown favorite. Arizona actually owns a series winning nine of the last 12. As good as San Francisco is, everyone's on Arizona, and somehow the line hasn't moved. San Francisco has been dealing with a pretty awful offseason. They lost wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. I mean, they're just dealing with second, third, fourth, fifth string wide receivers at this point, and I'm not exaggerating. Um, I do believe that San Francisco is still very well coached. I still think Garoppolo can win in this league. you got to love Kittle. Sure, you love Mostert and that defense. But Arizona is the new shiny new toy, right? Kyler Murray can make things happen. you got to like Kenyon Drake, and now they got Hopkins there. They are very similar to Cincinnati. To me, Arizona and Cincinnati are very similar. Massive talent at quarterback, good solid running game, very good wide receivers and pass catchers out there, but their offensive line is bad. Arizona's offensive line, Cincinnati's offensive line are both bad, and the defense is just really bad. Patrick Peterson is no longer what Patrick Peterson once was. Okay, let's throw that out the window. So you look at this game and you go, How can San Francisco beat Arizona? Well, you'd want them to pass, okay? They got nobody to throw the ball to. I expect George Kittle to have a good game, but you have nobody to throw the ball to. I think this is absolutely just a game where they run, 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 run. You're going to see San Francisco attempt to just drain this clock and eat this clock and just drain it all the way down, which brings me to the total, which is 48. And then we have the big game. The best game of the weekend happens to be a 4 o'clock window instead of the Sunday night game, instead of the Monday night game, which doesn't make any sense to me. Even instead of the Thursday night game, schedule makers, you had to do a better job than this. The Saints in New Orleans, minus 3.5. Let's talk about the Saints. The Saints are a team that has everything in front of them. They have gotten this close, this close to the Super Bowl year after year, after year, after year. Now Drew Brees comes out and basically says, I'm walking away, man. It's my last year. So let's go out there and get this done. Alvin Kamara says, you know what? I'm going to be better this year because I was injured last year. Oh, and he might be sitting there with a brand new contract. Michael Thomas broke all kinds of records last year. So what'd you do? Well, we went out and got him help. They got Emmanuel Sanders to take some of those undercut routes away from Michael Thomas. The offense has continuity. And you've heard me say all summer long, when I'm betting on the NFL this year, I want continuity. There are, maybe in the history of the NFL, there is no better combination than Peyton and Breeze at the quarterback and head coach position. And they have the continuity now that nobody else has. But the entire offense does. The entire offense has the entire continuity that you want. Thomas has been there for years. Kamara's been there for years. The offensive line's been there for years. This is that kind of team. And on the defensive side, I do think that they are better. I think Lattimore and Jordan uh, will have big years. I look at this defense being very good. Now let's talk about the team everybody wants to talk about. And that's Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks are getting more handle in Vegas to win the Super Bowl than any other team. 
Okay, they are the biggest liability for sports books because everybody loves Tampa Bay this year. What's not to like? You have the greatest player in the history of the sport playing quarterback for you. You have Mike Evans, a top ten wide receiver out there. Chris Godwin, uh, probably a top 10 wide receiver out there. You have Gronk. You have O.J. Howard. Behind you, you went out and got Leonard Fournette, and you have an offensive genius as your head coach and Bruce Arians. On the defensive side, eh, secondary, maybe maybe a little weak spot, but, man, those linebackers are very, very good. Very good linebackers in David White. So you look at Tampa Bay, and you like all of that. But you know what I didn't mention? I didn't mention an offensive lineman. Because Tampa Bay's offensive line is going to be a problem. And I did say that their secondary is a little bit of an issue. Against most teams, Tampa Bay will be able to get by just with pure star power alone. They're going to be able to get by and get up and game script this to being in their favor. But against the Saints, can you count on that? Can you really say that Tampa Bay has more star power than the Saints? I mean, Breeze against Brady, well, I mean, wow. Can you get more star power than those two? How about Fournette against Kamara? I mean, I'm giving the, the edge to the Saints a little bit there. How about Michael Thomas, Mike Evans? Yeah, edge to the Saints. Sanders against Godwin. All right, going back to Tampa Bay a little bit. Defensively, Tampa Bay has a couple of big-time names. I think New Orleans is a better overall defense, but even that's close. And then head coach, yeah, you can talk about Bruce Arians all you want, and then I'm going to throw Sean Payton out at you. So I understand why this is three and a half. Everyone's on Tampa. Everybody loves Tampa. But you kind of got to see what they have. If this was a regular offseason with regular OTAs, with regular camp, and everything was status quo, if this was that year, I would be all over Tampa like the rest of the world. But it's not. And Tom Brady is a guy that just loves his consistency. He loves his routine. Well, Tom Brady's out of a massive routine just in life right now in a different city. Tom Brady's routine at quarterback is different. He's dealing with different play callers. There's no Josh McDaniels on the sideline. He's dealing with a different head coach. There's no Coach Belichick there. He's dealing with everything is brand new. And oh, by the way, here are brand new pieces to your puzzle, Tom. There is no Edelman over the middle. You know, yeah, you could say Godwin's a better player, sure. But Tom's a creature of habit. For this game, for this team to me early in the season, I think it's going to be a tough road to go and take this Tampa Bay team. The three and a half looks alluring. And I, for full disclosure, I'm not going to take this game. I like New Orleans to win, but I'm not going to take this game. Because you look at what Brady can do and what he's been in his career, and it makes it nearly impossible to bet against him. But I need to see. I don't mind being the guy sitting on my couch watching this game, taking notes, and maybe having to watch it again after I watch it to go find out, does Brady look the same? Is this offense going to get better, or do they hit the ground running? I just don't know. And I don't know if they know because of the short offseason. All right, guys, let me tell you, we have more games coming up. Okay, we have the Monday Night Football game. We have the Dallas game. That's betting to the future. But now, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. Bet to the future. That's right. Bet to the future. Oh, I'm going down deep. And when I say down, I'm going down, down, down to this bet to the future. Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. You're favored in something coming up. 
That's right. I have the bet to the future. Who will get the first pick in the NFL draft next year? Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars, it looks like everyone's thinking that you are tanking for Trevor. Plus 275 for the Jags. Washington plus 500. The Panthers plus 800. Bengals plus 900. Giants plus 1100. Dolphins plus 1200. And the Jets coming in at plus 1200. That is bet to the future. Some of these interesting lines, though, right? Because you look at this, this is the top seven teams on the odds that are supposed to be tanking for Trevor, quote unquote. <laughs> right. This is who they are. Well, the Jets have their franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. Take them out of the equation. The Dolphins have their franchise quarterback in Tua. Take them out of the mix. The Giants have their franchise quarterback in Daniel Jones. Take them out of the mix. The Bengals have their franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. Take them out of the mix. So the Jags, Washington, and the Panthers are 1-2-3, plus 275, plus 500, plus 800, to see who gets the first pick overall in the NFL draft next year. All three conceivably need a new quarterback, right? A new franchise guy. All three would be lucky to have Trevor Lawrence. But all three have unique quarterback situations, don't they? None of this is clear-cut today. The Panthers just signed Teddy Bridgewater. Okay? This guy, uh, I mean, he took the Saints. He looks good. He's he's a guy. I stop, I'm stopping short at saying he should have the job. I'm saying that He's got it. They signed him to it. And it wouldn't shock me to see Bridgewater have success this year. Is he just a placeholder? Most likely. And you envision visions of Trevor Lawrence and Christian McCaffrey dancing your head, Panther fans. But right now, that's not a just a sure thing that Bridgewater's gone. And he's just garbage, right? How about Washington? Dwayne Haskins was supposed to be the man. Haskins, I know that he's fallen out of favor there, but... What if Haskins has a big year? What if Haskins to McLaren have a big year? And I'm not talking about Washington winning games. What if Haskins just meets the potential that made him a first-round draft pick? What does Washington do there? Now, they just turned around and said, we're going to pass. We're going to take Chase Young just last year. Do they believe in Haskins? I don't know. And then you have the most interesting team, which is the Jags. Everybody thinks the Jaguars are going to fall flat on their face. Everyone thinks that the Jaguars are tanking for Trevor. They go and they get rid of their best defensive player. They just outright wave Leonard Fournette, probably their best offensive player. But I got something here that says Gardner Minshew just looks good. I'm sorry, guys. There is a distinct possibility that Gardner Minshew looks like the starting franchise quarterback. I don't think he's that far off. I don't know if Minshew keeps the job even if he goes crazy this year. But I'll tell you what, somebody would be glad to have Minshew on this team. I think he's shown that he's got the ability to lead this team. So it's really interesting that we have not only Trevor Lawrence, but Justin Fields and three or four quarterbacks coming out that should be top 10, top 12 picks in the NFL draft and no real clear path to a team. Even New Orleans, where I just mentioned that Drew Brees is walking away, uh, yeah, it looks like they already picked their backup quarterback. So it's an interesting situation where these guys will land. I mean, are the Bears bad enough to, to get tanking for Trevor? Probably not. <laughs> but a man can hope, right? All right, let's get back into it. We got the prime time games. Dallas and the Rams, that is the first game. Sunday night football. Dallas is a 
Three-point favorite right there was two and a half. It settled at three, and it's pretty much three across the board. 52 is the over-under. I think the Rams are getting a little disrespected this year. I've never been a big fan of McVay. I've never been a big fan of of Goff. But he didn't just get stupider, okay? McVay is still a good head coach. He's still a good offensive mindset. Jared Goff still has weapons in Cup and now Reynolds and Jefferson and Woods and Akers. He's still got weapons. You still got Aaron Donald, the best defensive tackle and the best defensive player in the league. You still have Jalen Ramsey, the highest-paid cornerback now in the league. You still have some weapons here. And I think that they are getting disrespected. But I will say, I think the Dallas Cowboys are a step away from the Super Bowl. The Dallas Cowboys are the most complete team in the NFL with the least amount of holes. There's no hole at quarterback. There's no hole at running back. There's no hole at receivers. Their offensive line is stout. Their defensive line is solid. The linebackers are excellent. The defensive backs are above average. The only real question with the Dallas Cowboys is on the sidelines and who Mike McCarthy is. I've never liked Mike McCarthy because he was always on the Green Bay Packers, but I always respected the man. I always understood what he brought to the table. So I look at this Dallas team and I go, they are the safest team, but they're also dealing with a lot of consistency, even if it's not on the sideline. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, they all know each other. They're all playing well with each other. Okay, The offensive line has been there forever. And Dak is playing for contract, oh, by the way. You don't think that this team wants Dak to get that money? You don't think that th- this team wants to play well just for Dak? Of course they do. How about defensively? You know, defensively, again, Jalen Smith, Van Der Esch in the middle. The defense is better than people giving them credit for. Now, they lost a couple of pieces, sure, but unless you could pass deep on this Dallas team, you don't really have a prayer. I think the line is, is very fair. And I look at this Dallas Cowboys team and I go, I, I know that the public generally rides them and they specifically ride this team on primetime games, Sunday night, opening night. You know Dallas money's going to come in. But I think three is where it stays. I'd be surprised if it gets to three and a half. I think three is where it li- lies and resides. How about Denver, Tennessee? This game's all about injuries. And a week ago, you would have heard a completely different breakdown from me. But this week in camp, Cortland Sutton was helped off the field, their best offensive player. Von Miller was helped off the field, and he will not play their best defensive player. The Denver Broncos are tough because they're at home. They are really well coached, especially on the defensive side by Vic Faggio, who, look, he's, he's a good, good defensive coordinator. As a head coach, I'm not sure. But, man, they have some weapons, weapons and weapons offensively. Just behind the quarterback, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman could all be starting running backs on any team. Noah Fant came out as one of the most highly regarded tight ends in the last decade. You have Cortland Sutton, who I just mentioned. Jerry Judy was supposed to be a top two or three pick. If he didn't, people didn't get quarterback crazy, right? I mean, best wide receiver in Alabama the last couple of years. This is the talent that they have on Denver. But they have Drew Locke at quarterback. And that's the question mark. Now, when we did our draft preview show years ago, I said I like Drew Locke a lot in that draft. But I, I'm still questioning, is he able to make that massive jump this year? I think he'll be good. I think you'll see some good things from Drew Locke. But is he able to make that massive jump? I'm not sure. And you look at Tennessee, they made the jump. Ryan Tannehill last year proved that, yes, he can play in this league, he can start in this league, and he is the guy there. Derrick Henry, that massive 
just absolute beast of a man, right? Derrick Henry proved I could just bowl people over and, and I'm MVP worthy. That's the kind of play that he had. Corey Davis, A.J. Brown. Tennessee has some offensive weapons, but I do worry that they lost some people off the offensive line. Defensively, Tennessee's a little bit better than people give them credit for. Now they added another pass rusher. I think Landry is one of those guys that is a pure pass rusher that people don't think about, and now they add Clowney. Can't double-team Landry coming from one end. They're going to get out in the backfield a lot. Their secondary has a little bit to be desired. I don't love their offensive scheme. I don't love Ryan Tannehill, but I think they're good enough to beat a banged-up Denver team. And if it was somebody else besides Von Miller, I probably would be going Denver. I'm not going to touch this game. This is a coin flip for a reason. It's under a field goal for a reason, two and a half. The total is 41. It's all for a reason, guys. Don't get cute on this one. All right. The other Monday night game is actually the first Monday night game. Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants. This line has risen from Pittsburgh opening up minus three all the way to a six-point spread in favor of Pittsburgh. The total is sitting at 46. Pittsburgh is in a position where you are really torn about Pittsburgh if you're talking to sports bettors out there. I am in the camp, and I am a guy that has consistently said, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are Super Bowl-capable team this year. I have guys that say, Tom, they're not winning eight games. I mean, there are that vastly different notions about Pittsburgh. My feeling about Pittsburgh is this, and why I am so high on them. A lot of people don't like Mike Tomlin. I have to give him credit for what they did last year. Last year, with Duck Hodges and Landry, and a collection of stiffs at quarterback, they managed to pull out an 8-8 eight and eight year. They managed to pull out an 8-8 eight and eight year playing a pretty tough schedule. Why? Because their defense was fantastic. Their defense led the league in sacks. Their defense led the league in forced fumbles. Their defense led the league in fumble recoveries. Their defense led the league in turnovers. T.J. Watt is my preseason pick for defensive MVP. Minka Fitzpatrick should be on the list. I just don't give it to defensive backs. He might be the best defensive back in the league. That's what you have in Pittsburgh. I didn't mention Bud Dupree. I didn't mention why. I didn't mention a bunch of these guys. Uh, Hayward and their defense is stacked. I think it's the best defense in the NFL. I'm not beating around the bush here. I think Pittsburgh Steelers defense is the best defense in the NFL. And I think with Duck Hodges at quarterback, this team wins eight games. But let's talk about who is that quarterback. Big Ben's back. You may not like him. I may not like him. It doesn't matter. The guy produces. He produces every single year. You can say, Tom, you know what? He gets hurt every year. He does get hurt every year. And he's older. That's fine. But he only tends to miss a game or two. It's not like this guy goes down for a year. Now, last year, that did happen. And maybe that's going to be the norm now as he gets older. I'm willing to take my chance that Ben plays at least three quarters of a year. And three-quarters of a year, to me, is all Pittsburgh needs out of him. They have weapons galore. I think James Conner has a bounce-back year this year. He's still got the talent, and he is fighting for a contract. That means something. Behind him, you still have some talented guys. Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, McFarlane. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to run it well behind a stout offensive line, and this offensive line that is underrated. They added Eric Ebron. You know how Big Ben loves those tight ends. Well, Eric Ebron's going to be a guy there. Juju... And Deontay Johnson may not be Antonio Brown and Juju of uh, a couple of years ago, but they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. 
Big Ben is back. He's going to sling the ball all over the field. They love to go to the air. This is a Pittsburgh team that is multifaceted on offense. They can beat you with the run. They can beat you with the short pass. They can go deep. And they can beat you just with defense alone. I think Pittsburgh is vastly underrated. This I'm not even going to give you the other side for because this is my game of the week. I, I love Pittsburgh to win this game. The six, eh, I liked it when it was better at three, but I like him to win this game. Now, the Giants, on the other hand, let's look at Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is going up against the team in the NFL that led the league in forced fumbles and turnovers. Daniel Jones fumbled the ball 18 times last year in 16 games. Daniel Jones has turnover problems. Now, he's massively talented, and I think he's, his legs and his running ability actually get overlooked quite often. I look at Daniel Jones as a guy that you say, yeah, he can be very good. And so can Saquon, but not for game one. The Giants' offensive line is starting some rookies. They don't look good anyway. They were thrown into the mix. They didn't get an OTAs to get continuity. The offensive line is weak. Their pass catchers, look, Evan Ingram's good, but he's not great. And then you have Tate and Shepard and Slayton. They're all number threes. Let's be honest, there's not a number one wide receiver among them. Then you go to the defense. And Logan Ryan helps, but they lost Baker. They are middle linebackers. Yeah, they bring in Blake Martinez. Their outside linebackers are weak. They don't have a pass rush. Up the middle isn't very good. So I look at the Giants and I go, this is just a bad situation for the New York Giants. They're facing a team that I see nothing but ascending. I see a really good year from Pittsburgh. And they're facing a team in week one that has so much to prove. And the Giants... Brand new coach, brand new offensive line, rookie left tackle. They just have a lot of new pieces that just won't gel. So I'm looking at Pittsburgh there. Guys, that's going to do it for me, man. It is week one of the NFL. I am absolutely pumped up. I can't wait. Can't wait. Next time we talk, we're going to have overreactions, right? People are going to freak out. Just don't overreact and don't play every game. You're going out there, you're trying to make a buck this weekend, okay? Pick your one or two good games. It's early in the season. So many unknowns, so many variables are out there. Don't get crazy betting every single game and then get your bailouts. No, no, no. Go easy. Ease into the season, and you'll be able to have a better understanding and a better bankroll as we move forward. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.